Hey everybody, Leah Slaughter, hope you are doing well. I am as always very excited to bring this class to you today. We have a lot to cover and there's a few things that I wanna talk about today. Number one, it's just really updating on what the laws are right now for landlords and investors as we navigate this COVID crisis. And I think we can still call it a crisis. It's certainly disrupted and affected everyone's lives and still is to some extent. And then beyond that, I also want to talk about what the market is doing and what we see the market trending towards, because I think it's important to understand not only what's going on, but how it's affecting not just the Texas market, but really just things as a whole. So before I get started, as always, everything that we are going to talk about today is my best guess, my best opinion based on years of experience, my research, my own personal investment journey and certainly my path managing thousands of properties and all the other things that I do. Now, things change, and from the time that I started this, it's possible something else has changed, especially with all the announcements and different press conferences and things that are happening within the government. So this information is the most up-to-date as of the time of the recording of this webinar, but certainly things can change. And we do recommend any information that we give you as you were going to translate that into your own investment journey and into your own rental property ownership journey that you consult with those in your life who give you the best guidance, not only your CPA, your accountant, your attorney, whoever you feel will help you determine what is your best investment strategy. We are one tool in that process. We are not the only tool. As always, we don't have a crystal ball. So again, it's my opinion based on my experience and my beliefs, and certainly it's it's not black and white. Everything in real estate and investing and anything opinion is always gray. So let's get started talking about the economy in Texas. And I'm gonna spend the majority of this class speaking about Texas as a whole. As you know, the majority of my personal investments are in North Texas, but our customers are spread all over the place. And so I'll tell you what we're seeing from the Texas standpoint, and then I'll give you a little bit of an update here locally in North Texas as well. So as most of you already know, the loss of employment in Texas was less severe than many other areas of the country. There's a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons is we already had a job surplus. Another is that we are a huge business hub. We're one of the largest economies in the world. We're the 10th largest economy in the world. And we're the fourth largest metro here in North Texas in the United States. And so, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we weren't affected as heavily. It's also because our cost of living is a lot lower. And so there's not as many people that have to work. You are going to see a higher density of, I think, stay at home mothers and, you know, maybe one spouse stays home. And so our unemployment numbers are a little bit different. So make sure that you're keeping that in mind when you're looking at this. So one of the quotes that I love from the Federal Reserve of Dallas was promoting community resilience took on new urgency. And that's 100% the truth. I talked about in my other COVID updates, we've seen businesses that did incredible things from alcohol delivery to keep sales up for bars and restaurants to grocery stores doing deliveries and different services offering those deliveries. And so there's a lot of things that businesses did to help themselves stay afloat. And, you know, we opened pretty early and love it or hate it, it definitely helped our economy. Businesses have been very flexible. We've all been creative and we have found ways to thrive and survive in this COVID crisis. Now, that's not to say that businesses didn't close. That's not to say that people didn't lose their jobs. But what we saw was a high percentage of people were easily able to get new jobs. Well, why is that? 
So many employers were still in the process of relocating here. Lots of new employment was created in the crisis. And so delivery and grocery store delivery was huge. At one point, over 90% of people shopping in grocery stores were grocery delivery services. You have to also remember that it's easier to replace a job when you don't have to make as much money. And so the lower cost of living certainly helped. And then all of the distribution hubs that had to ramp up for not only medical purposes, but distribution purposes, Amazon, things like that, much of that is here in Texas and especially Houston and North Texas. And so we saw a lot of employment recovery and I'm gonna go over some of the numbers. So let's look at these employment statistics. So currently unemployment rate in the US, if we look at the trend from January to June, you'll notice that it upticked significantly in April when everything shut down, dropped a little bit in May and dropped a little bit more in June. Now, when you look down at Texas numbers, what you're gonna see, and remember this is Texas as a whole. So this isn't even just looking at the extremely strong markets like Houston and Austin and Dallas. So you'll see January again lower, February lower, March ticked up a little bit, April ticked up quite a bit, May dropped, and by June we had already um, just dropped significantly. And so we are faring better than the country as a whole. And many of our markets are faring even better than that. And so that's exactly the type of trend that we want to see. And for the employees that we saw out of work from our tenant base, almost all of them were quickly able to seek alternate employment or go on unemployment. And as many of you know, there was a huge boost in unemployment pay. And I'm gonna talk about that in a little bit and how it affected North Texas and Houston and other large metros and how those numbers looked for people that were now earning more money than what they were going into the crisis. So now inventory is at record low levels. Why is that? Our biggest listing period, prime season, I talk about it all the time. I talk about tiering the leases to prime season, talk about getting more money in prime season, lower days on market in prime season. Well, our prime season halted. You know, although we continued with giving notice and doing our listings and doing all those things, most companies didn't. And a lot of people were afraid to do rent increases and to do lease renewals and put their property on the market. They didn't want people going in and out of their house. And so what happened is all of that inventory that would help fill that huge shortage never hit the market. And so we already had a housing shortage and now it's gone to new extremes. And so it's definitely causing demand to increase. And the other thing you have to remember is we are a non-dense market. So there are parts of downtown Dallas, downtown Houston, parts of Austin that are very, very dense, especially in the uptown areas. Well, those areas are a small percentage of our properties, unlike areas like Los Angeles and New York and the other largest cities that we compete with. And so what's happening is traditionally a lot of our employment relocation here was with employers moving here. And now what we're seeing, and we were seeing some of it before, of course, but we've seen this astronomical increase of people looking at Texas and thinking, well, they have the jobs, they have the low cost of living. I've lost my job in California or New York or wherever, I'm moving to Texas. And so we had an already increased housing shortage increase even more. And then you pair that with the fact that the properties didn't hit the market and people weren't selling and people weren't moving because nobody wanted to move. And here we are. So what we've seen is, and I'm gonna talk about the numbers a little bit more, an increase in not only prices, but also rent numbers. Now, this is all density dependent. So I started talking about the move to less dense areas long before COVID. I've been very vocal about that and staying out of the huge, huge apartment complexes in the heart of the city. 
Well, we're starting to see that move now. And so what we've been seeing is lots and lots of people no longer wanting to be in those apartments. Now, there's a huge push for those apartments because of so many people needing a place to live and a lot of people can't afford anything different. So for those in the large multifamily field, there's a great play for that. But my play has always been personally and professionally to buy small multifamily and single family because people that are leaving those dense areas coming to Texas, they want to take advantage of our space. And because of our lower cost of living, we have the ability to do that. So now let's look at what prices are at currently. So DFW median property price is just over uh, 226,000. Houston is still down around 191,000. San Antonio is about 187,000. And then astronomically, Austin is at over 400,000. So you can see very clearly why I don't recommend buying in Austin, but we buy around Austin. And then certainly the same thing with DFW, Houston, and San Antonio. Now, the great thing about all of these markets, Houston excluded, is we are still underpriced in my opinion. If you look at every other large metro that competes with DFW in Houston, their prices are so much higher. And so I do believe there's still room to grow up. Again, we don't have a crystal ball, but I really truly do believe that we are gonna keep seeing that growth, especially as we see this, this movement away from these high density areas, these high dense states with non-friendly practices, not only politically, but also as investors. And I think there's gonna be so much growth that continues in Texas. And that's certainly what I am banking on. Um, I ran numbers just a couple of weeks ago because someone had asked me, well, how much have you bought just in the last few months? And since the beginning of the year, we have bought something like 60 units. And so I'm a huge believer in this market and we certainly are capitalizing on this coronavirus crisis. Uh, for those of you that don't follow me on Facebook or aren't friends with me on Facebook, feel free to send me a friend request. You can watch all of my crazy rehabs. We buy anything from 1890 to maybe a few year old houses, burn houses, apartment communities. So if you wanna kind of get a feel for what we're doing and watch some of that, just send me over a friend request. I get dozens a day, so please make sure if you send me a friend request, you send me a message and tell me who you are. That way I don't ignore it. Um, all right, moving on, let's talk about investment prices. So similar to traditional home prices, we have seen the investment sales prices go through the roof. I gave an example a couple weeks ago of a duplex we sold for a customer in Rowlett. And last year we went to sell it and we just couldn't get the price that he wanted. And so we pulled it off the market and said, let's wait till next spring. We put it up this spring for more money and we had multiple full price offers and it's already closed. So the market has gone sky high. Now that's not to say that there's not areas that are suffering because this is not a nationwide statistic, right? And each area is gonna be different. But specifically what we've been seeing in North Texas and in a lot of Houston and quite a bit of San Antonio as well is record sales prices far above the comps. People are paying over what the appraised value is in many cases. We've actually seen sales so high that we've failed appraisals on a couple of properties and the buyers have paid a big chunk of the difference. And that's because things are pushing so far over where the comps are. And again, the inventory shortage plays a big role in that. And people have now started listing their properties. So we saw a late bloom to prime season. And that's been really interesting, but things have been moving very quickly. I personally have been outbid on so many properties and as fast as I can get the offers out, the majority of them are already gone. Now, a lot of the market that I play in is the disaster properties, properties that are borderline condemnable, you could say. 
And so they don't tend to have as much competition, but for the, you know, kind of cosmetic rehabs, the simple ones, we've seen a lot of competition. And then looking even in the new construction market, I was helping one of my friends look for their personal home. And by the time we could get to each one they liked, that one was already sold with the builder. And the real kind of problem with this, this housing shortage is that the builders slowed down. The builders can't keep up. There's a trade shortage because there's more work than we have people to do the work. And so everyone is kind of having to just work at the speed that they can. We've even seen it in-house. We had, you know, I've got a huge team of Make Ready crew, huge. And then I've got a GC with huge numbers of teams, but it's a twofold problem right now. Number one, people can make a lot of money on unemployment. So if you've been out of work and you're making all this money and there's no requirement to go seek employment, which there wasn't, you really aren't incentivized to go find a new job because someone who was making say 16 an hour was now making 20 an hour or 1950 an hour adjusted. And so you're actually making more money to be unemployed. And then the other thing is there's so much growth and development and so much just regular work going on here in this kind of rehab and repair space and build space that there's just not enough people to fill the jobs. And so it really has created a just backflow in the new construction world as well. Now, we still have plenty of inventory on our investment side, but I'm talking now about just the general open market and what we're seeing with traditional listings. Now, we have seen some high density areas and the high density apartment complexes see a rent decrease and an investment sales decrease. So you wanna make sure you know where you're buying. And again, my guidance is and has always been the suburb model is the way to go. Regardless of which of these areas you are in, buying in the suburbs is always gonna be your best play in my opinion for long-term growth and stability and to be able to weather the storm. When you're in the heart of the city, the city doesn't have to grow. The city's already got the infrastructure. It's already got what it needs to support the people that are there. But in these suburbs, in these areas that we are buying, they are growing to support people who've already been there. And so although Texas is great at staying ahead of the growth, and we talk about that a lot with our highway system and how unique it is to allow us to buy over a larger territory because of the ease and access to be able to move around, but you can't always stay ahead when you're seeing a thousand people a day moving to your state. And those are the numbers that Texas was seeing before coronavirus. So just incredible things happening right now in Texas as a whole. And I'm very, very happy that it's been as resilient as it has been. And I would expect no less. Now, brief little side note, the new investor portal is up. For those of you that haven't requested access yet, you can reach out to the investment team to get more information on that, or you can reach out to me with any questions, but it is exclusive access and there is a non-disclosure that goes in with access to that portal. So if you have any questions or you want to get access to our properties, just make sure you reach out. You can email me or you can contact the investments team at investments at omnikeytexas.com. Now let's talk about the election. And I'm gonna keep this very apolitical. Uh, those of you who know me, you already know what I believe and I'm from Texas so you probably can guess. But I wanna talk about how the election is affecting things right now. So I did an update in the beginning of 2020 going into the new year with my predictions. And I'm proud to say that pretty much everything I said was going to happen is happening. Why is that? Well, turmoil makes distress and distress makes for an easier election. And so what is happening is you've got both sides trying to scare the other side. You've got both sides trying to create turmoil and create chaos because they think it's going to get them votes because people are afraid. Well, we're not afraid. We don't need to be afraid. We live in the best country in the world, but 
this year has been tumultuous, even without COVID. There's been so many things that have gone on. And what we are seeing is when people get afraid or when they get nervous, they don't make good decisions. And so they make emotional decisions. And there's a great quote from Forbes that I've included here, but this definitely translates into the market. And so what we often find in election years, especially in this tumultuous of an election year, is a unique opportunity for you to get property. And why is that? Well, even without COVID and the fact that a lot of people didn't have access and still don't have access to good financing because they don't know where to go and a lot of programs have disappeared, people are also just on edge. You've probably experienced it in your day-to-day. -day. We've certainly seen it on the property management side, talking with my mother, who's a clinical psychologist. She's seen it on her side in her practice. People are just stressed. And so not as many people right now are making that investment property jump. And then you throw in COVID in the mix of an election year and a tumultuous election year. And now you've really got a recipe where a good chunk of people are getting out of the market. And then one of my good colleagues, Meryl Callister, did an opinion talking about wholesaling and how there's been some recent things that have happened in the wholesaling world where now you really have to be able to make good on any wholesaling contract. And so for those of us that are qualified and able to buy property, that's not a problem. But for many of these wholesalers who have no financial means to buy a property, they could be entering a fraudulent contract by trying to wholesale a property they have no ability to purchase. And so I think we're going to start to see a pullback on a lot of the wholesalers bringing inventory and being able to get those properties out there needing a lot of work and those types of things to the end buyer. And so I think that in a lot of ways, the election as investors will help us but it's also helping us by getting some people out of the game and the fewer people in the game especially in a hot market like Texas the better off we are because less competition now let's talk about the CARES Act so kind of just doing a brief background and I definitely recommend you go back and watch my earlier updates talking about what the CARES Act did from a rental property ownership and investment standpoint but essentially the things that you need to know right now is the CARES Act has expired so what the CARES Act did is it made it to where we cannot, and I'm speaking not about the whole act, but as it pertains to investment property ownership right now, that we could not evict a tenant who had a backed mortgage. So that is, for example, Fannie Mae. So those of you that use Fannie Mae for your financing, we were told that we could not evict that tenant. And so by the CARES Act expiring, we are now in a place where we can start those eviction processes. And it has changed how the eviction process works. And I'm gonna go over that in a moment. But the important thing to note is that that has expired for now. So let's talk about unemployment benefits and how it has now changed with the expiration of the act. So before what was happening is there was a $600 weekly unemployment benefit. And this is what I was mentioning a little bit ago where people who were making less money could now make about $40,000 a year because that's where the benefit adjusted to. So for a market like New York or California where the cost of living is much higher and therefore the income is much higher, they were still hurting. They weren't having a benefit over above and beyond what their original employment was. But with that $600 bonus, you'll see this here that 68% of unemployed workers eligible for benefits ended up getting payments greater than their lost earnings, 68%. And so then, of course, without a requirement to go seek employment, which I'm, again, not going to go political on this, but what happened is that if you're on unemployment, typically you have to be seeking employment. You have to be doing interviews. You have to be putting your resume out there. Well, that didn't happen. And so a lot of people sat on unemployment and it was great for the rent numbers because people who didn't have jobs that had been laid off were able to get unemployment. In some cases it took a while because they were so backlogged, but they did get it and they did get back pay. 
So, you know, at this point, what we are seeing is that benefit has ended. And so now we're going to see this mad rush back into the workplace, assuming that they don't do something else to help it. So the maximum weeks of benefits in Texas is 26, and the maximum weekly benefits is now 521. So you can see the difference in the weekly benefit now as opposed to that $600 boost. So CARES Act eviction process, let's talk about the changes that happened when this went away. So it covers all backed mortgages. So Fannie Mae, great example, uh, FHA, anything that has a backer who guarantees that mortgage essentially. And if you have a question on whether or not your mortgage applies, just reach out, I'm happy to help. So now we must provide a 30 day notice to vacate. So traditionally our lease overrides the three day requirement under state law to one day. And so when a tenant is late, we can provide them that notice. Once that timeline is up, we can file eviction. CARES Act mortgages, we still cannot do that process. We must now give a 30-day notice. So once that act expired, all of our CARES Act mortgages who were delinquent received a 30-day notice to vacate. And then if they don't vacate in 30 days, then we can proceed with filing eviction. Now, here's my concern. My concern is what's going to happen as we move forward with what people are saying they're going to do. So Trump gave a speech where he's talking about using an executive order to put a moratorium back in place on evictions. We've got different governments within the cities saying that they're going to put a moratorium on evictions. We even saw in Dallas that the JPs got together and with some of the higher government officials in Dallas County and said, well, we're just going to abstain from hearing evictions for a few weeks. So things can change on a city level, a county level, a state level, or a national level. And so although these things have expired and we're going to take advantage of it right now, I do think as we approach the fall season that we could see some backstepping. Now, I'm excited that a lot of the vaccine trial is happening here in Texas. And so my hope is that they're going to have and continue to have great results with that, that we're going to reach immunity here faster than other areas because we've got thousands and thousands of people who volunteered to be in this trial that's already ongoing. And then, of course, my hope is going to be that they're going to come out with better cures and treatments to be able to treat the coronavirus. Just today, I got a notification from my youngest child who's going into 11th grade that their school has decided for the full year to go to only two days on campus. And so there's things that are still happening. That announcement just happened this morning. And although cases here are doing well, and I personally know many people who've gotten sick, none who have gotten very sick. I think that we are going to continue to see this fear and this type of just government reaching to make changes continue to happen. And I think the important thing to keep in mind is that it can happen on the lower levels or on the higher levels. And the closer we get to the election, I think the more that people are going to try to do things to please the populace because it's going to make for an easier election in their opinion. So whether you love it or you hate it, you agree or you don't, the bottom line is that every candidate and everyone in government right now is trying to make a name for themselves and trying to capitalize on this crisis. So what we can do is we can hunker down, we can make sure that we're doing everything that needs to be done from a property management and an investment perspective to protect these properties and protect these leases. You know, right now we're seeing over 80% of tenants paying in time on full. Um, so what we're really seeing is great movement back to the normal types of numbers that we see. So my closing thoughts. Number one, don't lose the opportunity of what this market is presenting. Don't lose the opportunity of looking at these lower density suburbs and looking at the play of what the potential growth could be in those areas. And then finally, number three, stay safe and sane. The world's crazy right now. There's lots going on. It's easy to get lost in the stress and the chaos and everything else. But the bottom line is at the end of the day, life goes on. 
hopefully all of us are happy and healthy and you know moving forward regardless of what the world throws at us and at the end of the day just know that texas is here to support you and so is omniki and so am i so thanks again for attending our class as always i do want to give you some upcoming class dates we've got a very very big class schedule so i've just pulled the next few weeks so these are our open webinars for everybody so we've got the overview of the purchase agreement and purchase process on august 12th on August 25th, we're going to go over how to invest in real estate from out of state or out of country. And then on September 1st, we're going to begin our repair series with an overview of HVAC systems and proper maintenance repairs, legislative changes and law changes as it pertains to Freon, Curon and the production of different materials used to cool our homes. And then for our exclusive investor webinars, those are going to be August 13th, August 20th, August 27th and September 3rd. All of our classes are at 2.30 p.m. Central Time. You can visit us on Facebook to register, or of course, you can always reach out to me directly or to Ashley, who runs our marketing department at marketing at omnikeytexas.com. Otherwise, I wish everybody a safe and happy weekend. Please know we're here if you need us, and I will look forward to talking again with you next week. Take care.